Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Beyond the Dark brings you sci-fi short stories that invite you to explore questions like What drives us? What makes us human? And what else lies out there undiscovered? At times, you'll encounter some mature themes, so listener discretion is advised. There's no place quite like the void to forget your past. Out here, in deep space, the cosmos is laid bare. A billion pinpoints of light suspended in the black, and not much else. Some who come here are running from the law. Others just have nothing left to lose. But me? I came to escape all of the bad choices and the failures I made back home. Hoping they would fall away against the nothingness. I left behind friends and loved ones. People I thought would be with me forever. But now, I imagine they've moved on. Just like I have. There are times I think about traveling even deeper. Past the point of no return. I wonder if there's something beyond the outer colonies waiting for me, a place to lose myself completely. For now, I found a home on the cargo freighter Oslo. The four other crew members on board are much like me, rejects. Owners, the kind who thrive out here, the kind who don't ask too many questions. But nothing lasts forever, not even here, in the void. And on a routine long haul, as we close in on a derelict spacecraft, even though I don't know it yet, everything is about to change. There's something 
ominous about the silence. As our ship approaches the derelict, I increase the magnification on the scope to get a better look. Faint starlight glints against metal, a patch of gray in a sea of black. It's a standard cargo transport like the Oslo, but this one is in much worse shape. Araya, what have you got? It's a freighter, Bones. Adrift, no active propulsion. Any hull ID? I peer into the scope. The hull is heavily scraped, as if someone's taken a wire brush to every edge of the alloy. No. It looks like it's been scratched off. I've never seen anything like it. No reply on comms. Nothing from the transponder either. They're just... They're just bouncing our own ID back at us. It's obvious. Someone jacked a cargo ship and scrubbed the ID to make it untraceable. So, Diesel, why are these master criminals drifting around in the middle of nowhere? Looking for a sucker to be their next victim. Come on, let's hit the throttle. We don't need this. Can't do that. We're picking up life readings on board, and there's no shuttle attached, so that means they're stranded. So what, Bones? Let's just... He's right. It's in the regulations. If they're in distress, we need a help. When the overseers go through the logs at the next port and find we didn't stop... They're not gonna go through the logs. No, they will. End of discussion. I'm readying the shuttle. Send Robson or Crowley. They never do anything anyway. They just got off of a 13-hour shift. It's you two. Gear up and get over there. Find out what the hell is going on. Diesel. Maybe there's elites on board, ready to hand out a load of creds to whoever saves them. Elites? On that thing? Who knows? Can you imagine what you could do with just one big payday, Araya? Retire and buy a suite at Rigel One. Hell, maybe even a nice place back home. Thinking of home doesn't bring me any solace. It only magnifies my failures puts a spotlight on all the things I've tried to forget. It's the last place I'd want to be. No thanks. Come on. If you had the chance, you'd blow off Bones' floating garbage can in a second. Just like me. I like it out here. 
This is where I belong. Guess you're as crazy as he is. You two deserve each other. Diesel! You still got comms open. And you just earned yourself a double shift on the loader once we hit Rigel 7. Yeah, whatever. Ten seconds to dock. I squirm inside my pressure suit, unable to shake the feeling of unease I've had since I first saw the ship in the scope. Diesel has dispensed with the banter, and now he's pointing his rifle at the doorway, like he's expecting something to come bursting through. Easy there, cowboy. You're gonna fog up the inside of your helmet if you keep breathing like that. Figure at least one of us should be prepared for what's on the other side of that door. Feeling it's not gonna be elites with pockets full of creds. <clears throat> Airlock is jammed. <clears throat> Using the manual release. This ship sounds ancient. Our headlamps stab into the pitch black corridor. There's no movement. No crew members come to greet us. As I turn, I notice stains on the walls. Some sort of dark fluid has cascaded from the ceiling and pooled on the floor. The hell is that? Might be overflow from a ruptured hydraulic line. Dull rectangles of amber flicker along the corridor as the emergency lighting system sputters into life. I move over to the nearest wall panel and reach for the intercom. No link. You're not gonna reach anyone on that. We're gonna have to search this death trap on foot. Araya, Diesel, I've got some bad news. We've picked up a vortex on the scope. A vortex? How far away? 700 clicks in closing. We should head back. There are people here, remember? Well, I don't see them. And a vortex isn't some harmless wormhole, you know. Ships they get sucked in don't come out again. Ever. Stay on task. I'll get things sorted over here. Might be away from the console for a bit. Get back in touch if you need anything. We open the first bulkhead and move into the next corridor. There's a thick sludge coating the walls and floor. The whole place glistens and is slippery underfoot. Looks like the air filters packed it in long ago. I've seen moisture build up in my time, but never this bad. So these Cretans are living in their own filth. Nice. You hear that? Yeah, but I don't see anything. Hey, careful where you point that thing. The other side of the bulkhead. Something moved. 
I creep forward, try to get a better view. A dark shape squirms on the floor, and as my lamp falls on it, I recoil. The creature is humanoid, covered in slimy, wrinkled gray skin with mottled yellow eyes. Slowly, it crawls its way toward us. To hell with this! Diesel, wait! What is that thing? Maybe you should have asked that question before you blew its head off. We advance toward the bulkhead, where the creature lies motionless in a pool of blood. Now that I'm closer, I can clearly make out withered arms and legs, strands of gray hair on what's left of its scalp. Diesel stays cautiously on the other side of the bulkhead, with his rifle at the ready. It's... human. No. Can't be. It is. Might be some kind of biohazard. An accident on board the ship. Or a virus. Yeah. What kind of virus turns people into prunes, exactly? I don't know, but we need to get some medgear over here. If the other crew members are afflicted... Wait a minute. If the overseers run ballistics on that thing, we're gonna know I killed it. I can almost see the cogs turning in Diesel's head as he considers the ramifications of what he's done. They're gonna lock me up. Look, don't worry about that for now. You've got my back, right, Uriah? With self-defense. I... I don't know if... It all seems to happen in slow motion. Diesel swings his rifle in my direction. Instinctively, I dive toward the bulkhead emergency release. But as the door slams shut between us, Diesel pulls the trigger. I'm hit, falling, the floor rushing up at me. Everything goes black. suit, finding that the bullet has passed through the comms unit on my hip, but somehow missed the suit itself. I figure I must have blacked out for a moment when I hit the floor. Wait a minute. Say again, Diesel? Smugglers. Just like we thought. I killed Uriah, and now I'm making a retreat to the Oslo. Bones, he's lying. I'm not dead. God damn it, are you sure, Diesel? 100%. Nothing I can do for her. Okay. Roger that. Coming back, this vortex is coming up faster than I thought. Bones? Bones! There's no reply. I grab my comms unit again and turn it over. The bullet has damaged my transmitter. And I realize that although I can hear them, they can't hear me. Diesel, you piece of... He's already on his way. I'm trapped.
Okay, think. Just think. The reality is there in front of me, but I don't want to admit it. With the vortex closing in, there's no choice but to go deeper into the ship. Beyond the next bulkhead, I find the crew quarters. Temperature readings are lower here, and pools of cryomist gather around my ankles. My visor begins to fog up, but in the gloom I can still make out the darkened outline of cryopods. All but one is closed. It's too dark to see who or what is inside. There's a console on the far wall that might give me access to ship systems. Knowing that time is running short, I move forward. As I cross the floor, I brush against one of the pods. The display illuminates, and through a thick layer of dust, I see the occupant's name. I wipe it clean thinking I'm imagining things, but I'm not. It says, Bones. Confused, I check the next one. Robson. The next? Crowley. The crew of the Oslo. What the hell? At the console, I enter my security code. And the screen reads, Welcome Araya, Oslo command system activated. That's not possible. I'm back on the Oslo. Docking in progress. Bones, as soon as I'm in, punch it. Let's get out of here. Make sure you follow the steps for a hard lock. That shuttle could get ripped off in the vortex if you don't. I bring up the scope and track onto Diesel Shuttle. I watch it dock with the Oslo. The other Oslo. They're closer to the vortex than I am. And now it appears huge. A swirling blue distortion that dwarfs the ship. I watch the scope, mesmerized. Hurry up, Diesel! The gravity field is... I'm not sure I can... The other Oslo struggles valiantly to escape the pool of the vortex. It oscillates back and forth, but every time it looks like getting away, it's pulled in again. There's a ripple across the swirling face of the energy field. And then the ship disappears completely. And the ship trembles under my feet as the pull of the vortex gets stronger. I know there's nothing that can be done. I'm on the same course as the other Oslo, and it's too late to escape. I check the status on the first cryopod. The occupant is still alive. And... I force myself to read it again. 
The sleep duration reads 987 years. I run a verification, thinking there must be an error, but it seems correct. I look around the room and wonder, how is the ship so old? And where did it come from? Has it really been drifting out here all this time? Have my crewmates been lost in dreams for a thousand years? Proximity alert. The energy field is close now. There are only two options. One is to use the engines to try to escape the vortex. The other is to join the crew in the cryopods, try to wait it out and hope for a rescue. I know that it's one or the other. The core is depleted. Firing the engines won't leave enough power for the cryopods. I move to the end of the row, where the last pod lies empty. There's no pain in cryosleep. No bad memories or fear of what the future may bring. There's just blissful emptiness. I know that if I get inside, I could embrace the blackness like the others have done. It would be a world free of responsibility, where there are no mistakes and no regrets. I could truly lose myself there. And who would blame me for choosing that path? But now that I'm standing here on the edge of the abyss, I finally realize that's not what I want. I never wanted oblivion, not really. I was just too afraid to face up to anything that got in my way. I simply ran whenever life got hard. I think of the wretch back in the corridor, shriveled and ruined after a millennia of cryosleep. I'm not going out like that. The vibrations are getting worse, but I regain my focus. I move to the control deck, check the log. I run a data crunch on the gravitational forces that were exerted on the other Oslo, and I see where Bones made his mistake. He fought against the gravity, stalling the momentum of the ship. The only chance to escape is to go with the gravity, build up enough speed to glance off at the last second. There's no other way. I bring up the long, dormant drive relay and divert all power to the engines. No turning back now. I give it everything and the ship lurches forward, spiraling toward the vortex. I grip the controls, straining with all my might, watching the counter on the flight path. Faces from home flash through my mind, people I haven't thought about in years. I wonder what they would think to see me finally taking a stand, putting everything on the line. The ship hits the edge of the energy field at breakneck speed, and I pull on a stick. She fights me, but I hang on, and moments later, she skims across the edge of the vortex and out into empty space.
Jamie Oslo limps into the Rigel 7 starport three days later. When I open the airlock, there are a lot of questions from officials. A lot of interviews behind closed doors. There's excitement from some, disbelief from others. But after a full analysis, they conclude that the ship really has been out there for a thousand years. The theory is that the inside of a vortex may actually be some kind of loop that distorts time. The Oslo likely traveled the length of the loop for hundreds of years, then shot out the other end. They can't explain how it arrived on this particular date, but after more study, maybe one day they will. The last I see of the ship, she's being towed into a secure hangar. There are dozens of engineers and security personnel hovering around her like flies. As for the crew, the med team tells me they've never dealt with prolonged cryosleep sickness like this. They can't give me a prognosis. But they did tell me about the one that was killed in the corridor, that probably came out of cryosleep when the ship's systems reacted to the arrival of the shuttle. A DNA analysis revealed it was none other than my old pal Diesel. I can't help but smile at the irony of him shooting himself in the face. something out there in the void after all. Something I'll keep inside of me as long as I have the courage to choose the difficult path over the easy one. And now, it's time to go home. The Void, featuring Elisa Martea, Aubrey Poppleton, and Chris Voltzis. Written, directed, composed, and produced by me, Mark R. Healy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and add a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find my full-length novels and music at markrhealy.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Are you there? I think I'm getting something. Why are you recording? For science. Did you hear that? We're a little off schedule. Maybe it's the aliens. I'm studying electromagnetic phenomena and anomalies. I don't think losing people is scary, I just... Don't want to do it anymore. Just together with me. Radio check, who's this? I didn't do it! You never do anything! We should still be secure. Are you safe? The walkies again. Who are you? Comfort. I am not doing it on purpose. You can't bullshit! I am not doing it on purpose! Stop! Stop!
Oh God, I don't like this. I don't like this. What the hell was that? I'm not supposed to know that. We're supposed to be innocent. I feel an ending coming. Oracle, a sci-fi anthology podcast set in the not-so-distant future. Season 2, Transmission, available in bi-monthly episode releases starting July 1st, 2023. Or listen now to Season 1, Iris, wherever you get your podcasts.